We all have dreams. Some people seem to live theirs while others seem to struggle. This is, however, merely a perception. What if you could get the answers you needed to execute on your dreams? Welcome to the Platinum Mask Podcast, a show designed to ask various young professionals just how they deal with their specific ups and downs. How does one young upstart navigate competing with name brand companies? Where do we get the best tools? How do we grow from our stress and anxiety? Most importantly, how do we properly utilize our cash flow? The Platinum Mask Podcast with your host, Grayson Mask. We wanted answers, so we're going out to get them and sharing them with you. Let's get right into today's episode. Hello to everyone listening to the Planet Mask podcast. I am Grayson Mask. I have with me Malik Johnson, who is a local DFW artist, musician, podcast host, um, content creator, as well as actor. I'm probably missing out a bunch of other things that he does, but, you know, honestly, uh, really excited to have him on. Um, Primarily just found him on kind of a few local DFW uh, blog and podcast sessions uh, where he was interviewed. So, uh, no, I was very interested on kind of reaching out and, you know, learn a little more about his story. So thank you again, Malik, for taking out the time today to, you know, jump on the podcast and, you know, not just explain your story, but possibly help out with some advice and tips for, you know, any other local artists or upcoming uh, musicians in the DFW area. No problem. Thank you for having me. So I guess I wanted to like start off with... Um, the short answer is yes and no. So um, the arts weren't necessarily encouraged, but I was good at them from a young age. Like I did commercials as a kid and dabbled in acting and like church plays and school plays, but I never really took it seriously until like super late in high school. Um, I was always a super nerdy kid more than an artsy kid, but I will say uh, my strongest uh, subject in school was probably um, English, specifically creative writing. And I think that led to my songwriting. So maybe that's where the biggest chunk of my creativity comes in at. (laughs) Probably so. Mm -hmm. I was was ready for Mm -hmm. at the time. Um, I grew up in a household that wasn't super musically diverse. Um, So like, and what I mean by that is like my mom would always listen to old school gospel and old school R&B. And so essentially, if you did not have a big, big voice like a Patti LaBelle or Yolanda Adams, then you couldn't sing. As I got older and got more into music, obviously I learned there are different tones and textures and styles. But so I didn't think I could sing until I started doing musicals late in high school. And the music director, who's actually still my vocal coach to this day, was uh, she said to me, I wish I would have had you sooner so I could have done more work with you. So <laughs> that gave me the boost in confidence to really pursue music seriously. When you kind of like touched up uh, on the idea of college not working out, I remember kind of seeing that like when you uh, kind of mentioned in a blog post like early 2016 that kind of sparked uh, you wanting to dive totally into acting and music. Uh, so what was like the situation like in college? Because I, I remember seeing something about like NYU or something like that. Yes, absolutely. So to make a very long story short, um, I went to Howard University for a year as a business and hospitality major. And I basically was my freshman year of college with a full internship and a full time job. And I was not good at balance. And I realized the only thing I liked about being a business major was the presentations. We were split up in groups in our internships and 
um, my group always selected me to lead all the presentations. And to me, that was just another form of acting. So I mm. came home, could not afford to go back to school that far away. And I really started to focus on acting and music, which led me to audition for NYU as well as uh, AMDA. And I ended up getting in, but financially living in New York and going to college in New York was just not feasible. So I stayed home and built my resume. And that's kind of has led me to where I am now. But at the time, it was a really big shift and disappointment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember seeing like, uh, was there a situation where you like working multiple jobs to like possibly be able to cover it? Uh, (laughs) I was working at the Disney store as well. I was a manager at the Disney store and then I was working at FedEx overnight and I was also attending like acting classes at Tarrant County College and doing student films and short films on the weekends and in the studio at least three to five nights a week. So um, I'm used to working on no sleep. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have you always had like that, I guess that type of drive or that work ethic on being able to, I guess, juggle so many things in a, in like a single day? Um, yes, my, my parents, uh, were really, really hard workers. They still are. Um, so I've always watched them work hard, like manage businesses and personal relationships and that kind of thing. But, um, balance is still one of my hardest things. I'm not going to lie to you. My personal life and my health has taken a toll from the way I work and I'm trying to get better at it, but it's a daily struggle. So, (laughs) and you know, has it like, uh, when you kind of mentioned earlier on the idea of, uh, you know, working those jobs while you're kind of bouncing back and forth between different acting directors and like film projects, you know, what was like the, when, when you're starting out with films, like how many did you like go to like a lot of films that maybe weren't legit or like, you know, maybe scammy or like just, uh, you know, that was kind of a weird fit? Um, I've definitely been fortunate to not get scammed. I know a lot of people do. All the films I was able to participate in were legit, but it would be a situation where when it's a student film, everybody's kind of at the mercy of the director's schedule and then the actor's schedule. So it would be a lot. I had a couple of situations where um, the director slash producers were having issues in a class or couldn't rent out the equipment from their school or things like that. And it's like you drive an hour to UNT or an hour to SMU and... They're like, oh, we're not filming today. Sorry. (laughs) So that (laughs) happened a few times. But as far as scams, I was fortunate in that department. And I guess like with uh, kind of acting going back and forth, did you ever have, um, I guess, a specific genre that you're going for? Were you trying to do like serious acting, um, like comedic acting? Or what was like your, I guess, what were you like starting out in? Um, when I first started, it was more so comedic because it was more an extension of my personality. But I, I would love to flex my dramatic muscle a little bit more. I haven't had a chance to really use it with the exception of like big auditions like for uh, NYU and AMDA. It's something I'm trained in, but I don't get a lot of opportunity with it. And now most of my focus has entirely shifted to music and podcasting. Um, I'm hoping to reopen the acting door Okay, so do you like normally when you take on like a, a huge, I, I guess like a, one of your new projects like Rated M, like uh, when you take something on like that, do you, uh, I guess, push acting to the back burner or you do not focus on it while you're focused on music or, um, you know, how does that process go? Um, well, Rated M was actually my, my first album a couple of years ago and that one was recorded in the midst of uh, prepping to do big auditions and going 
every weekend to do somebody's student film or I've worked background work on pretty much every show and movie that has filmed in the DFW area in the last five or six years. So that one was something I did in the midst of everything. Um, this latest project, A New Day, it was more so I was focused solely on music, but that wasn't more, that wasn't intentional. Um, that was more so due to COVID shutting down a lot of the industry. And then I recently left my agency at the beginning of the pandemic last year. So those two things slowed down the acting work. I've still done a couple of gigs, quite a few gigs actually this year, but typically they, they go hand in hand. Um, if I get a project big enough, I will definitely put one on the side. But as of right now, I think I can manage. <laughs> yeah. Like with the idea of, um, Kind of your kind of your music. So Rated M was the first uh, uh, one of the albums that you uh, came out with. But I know with was twenty like your first release when you came back from college. Yes, actually, twenty was my first. Oh wow, uh, <laughs> memories. Yes, twenty was my first release from college. It was a SoundCloud mixtape made entirely of covers or semi covers. Um, I recorded that one in prep for my NYU audition. I literally remember submitting it in my closet as I was packing my suitcase headed to DFW to fly out to New York to audition because it was the week of my birthday. I remember it well. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was stressful. That was a stressful time. <laughs> what was like uh, on, I guess, all the covers, what was your favorite as far as, uh, you know, a, a song that you're able to make like huge changes to? Um, Chain to the Rhythm by Katy Perry, because it was so left field for everybody. Um, but I really love the song, even in its original form. I love all types of music. So even in its pop form, but I, I can't remember the entire creative process, but I do remember going to my vocal coach and she was like, okay, let's slow it down on the piano. And we did that. And I recorded it like in one take. It's literally like one or two tracks on GarageBand. Probably one of the easiest things I've ever done. But um, it's a lot of it's a lot of fun. I remember performing that for the first time, and I, I actually love Katy Perry. So that was that was that was a fun moment. When you kind of like touched up on using GarageBand and some of the other tools that you kind of used on like your first uh, re- releases and music, I kind of remembered seeing like uh, I think some photos of you. Uh, I think like recording in a closet. And I was kind of wondering, like, uh, you know, is that typically what artist, like, upcoming artists do with closets, and like, why do? Because uh, I see that in like every show and everything, and I didn't know about it. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, it's just one of those things. Um, I am definitely grateful for technology, how far it has come along, um, because. The real recording studio, the big recording studios are usually super expensive, even for people who are who have major backing there. You're honestly very much looking at maybe anywhere from like fifteen hundred dollars to ten and fifteen thousand dollars per recording session, depending Mm -hmm. on what producer or engineer you're working with. So it's a lot easier to just do it (laughs) yourself and learn the basics. Um, Apple products are definitely a go to anybody who wants to do music or acting with editing wise because the software, most of the software comes built in and uh, yeah, GarageBand and the recording in the closet is just that typically has the um, best acoustics outside of a person's bathroom, but I didn't like recording in the bathroom. That wasn't my style. (laughs) So the closet is a little bit easier. When you mentioned like, uh, yeah, the, the high cost recording studios, so was it like after, I guess, like rated M or around like what time did you, I guess, like start getting uh, financial backing to come up with, uh, you know, higher, uh, 
you know, higher equipment and uh, higher quality equipment use? Um, actually, to be quite honest with you, everything I do right now comes out of my own pocket. So uh, there are several streams of income. So independent artists, for sure. Um, my uncle actually has a recording studio in his home, but it's a huge setup. Like he has an entire room dedicated to it with hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of equipment. <laughs> and he taught me a lot of the basics going into it. And after he taught me the basics, um, creatively, we were just at a different place where I, it wasn't working. But he gave me a very, very nice and expensive microphone. And I took a couple of classes at the Apple Store. I don't even know if they still do that. But uh, they have classes at the Apple Store to use their devices to the best of your abilities. And after that, uh, I invested in my smaller home setup and just tried to improve on it from there. Um, I recently had a meeting with the industry veteran or whatever. And I think one of the things I want to do is definitely get in the bigger studios. Um, financially, that is still very tricky, but it's a little bit more possible now than it was back then. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that's crazy that you're able to still release these high quality products uh, and, you know, being independent, but it's, you know, really cool that you have the multiple streams of income where, you know, the expenses aren't, uh, I guess, a huge deal on your end. Um, I'm very grateful and I've worked very hard to get to that place. <laughs> yeah. Like on the other end with some of the, uh, I guess, acting opportunities that, uh, serves as one of like the streaming incomes. I remembered seeing, uh, uh, kind of on Instagram, some of your photos of like some of the projects you had, like one of them that stood out to me was, uh, I think it was called like divorce court. And I remember, <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing that and do you want to explain like how like that popped up, I guess? Well, that was that that one's pretty simple. So I was it's a resource I use for acting now that I'm no longer under an agency called backstage.com. They vet everything several times over and it just it just so happened that I was free the day that they were booking for divorce court audience members and we taped seven episodes from the comfort of my couch. All I had to do was turn on my ring light and put on a shirt <laughs> and it was very probably one of the easiest and most fun acting gigs I've had in a very, very long time. <laughs> <laughs> and did you, uh, like, what was, like, the situation? Like, what were they filming or, like, uh, what was the drama? Because <laughs> uh, we did about seven episodes in the day because each episode only took about 30 minutes to tape. Um, you know, the normal divorce court things, cheating, uh, drug use, um, issues with finances, issues with religion. I will say... Um, that was my first time being an audience member on Divorce Court. I've been an audience member on some other things, but that it's, it's very interesting because you can tell just from some of the reactions that they're real situations, um, that mm. the people there, it's exaggerated, of course, but they're real situations. And some of the stuff was very questionable, like, um, money going missing from a spouse or, um, or somebody burning down the house to avoid getting caught cheating. That was one of the episodes I was on. That was pretty fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was, that was a fun gig. <laughs> that was a fun gig. And I've gotten more recognition for that gig in the last couple of weeks than I have for all the other stuff I've done in the past five years. And it's very, <laughs> it's very interesting to me. I guess Divorce Court is going to be my claim to fame. Like, would you, uh, you know, would you be excited or feel weird? Like if, uh, you know, if you had like some reality show moment that like was the claim to fame, is there any, uh, like reality shows that you'll look at that you would, you know, if, uh, if the opportunity arise that you'd love to be like a participant in? Uh, um, honestly, probably not. I know people on reality shows. I've kind of 
made my rounds in the industry enough to know what that world really looks like. And I don't necessarily know if I'd be the best fit for it. I'm boring in real life. I, I work on my art. I work. And then I like to travel. That's about it. I am really boring. And I am, I'm a Texas guy through and through. So the fake arguments would turn real and it just, it wouldn't be worth anybody's time. <laughs> but I would, I would be in, interested in doing like an amazing race type show. That's something I think would be cool. Have it, like, uh, you know, how'd you, how would you think you would do on like amazing race? Like if they put you in a situation like that? I think I'd do pretty good. I think I would do pretty good, but I, I would have to really unlock the inner adventurer because I'm not going to lie to anybody. When I travel, I am very particular. I like to stay in certain hotels. I like to fly certain airlines. I like to go to certain places. I am not necessarily the person who is trying to soak up all the local culture. If I go to another country, I would much rather be a tourist, you know? So, so I don't know the adventurer spirit may, you know, when it comes, if we have to eat bugs or something, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to take a stage X and stage left. You can put me back on the plane. Mm. <laughs> so you're not going to eat like a bloody cow heart? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm actually pretty adventurous food wise. Like I've had crickets before and things like that, but some things I have to say, you know, I can't, I, I'm not going to be able to. And kind of with, uh, you know, with acting, when, when you kind of mentioned earlier with, uh, you know, wanting to show off like serious acting, have you done any like, uh, I guess, like more drama roles in the past? I, I have. They have been mostly theater roles. So um, it's been it's been some years, but they've been mostly theater roles. Um, the monologue I used to audition for NYU and AMDA was actually um, the son of his name is Corey or Cody from Fences. So it's a very, very dramatic, heartfelt monologue about a father and son kind of going back and forth in the way because the son has watched the dad, you know, um, be abusive towards the mom and that kind of thing. Um, I got to perform that a couple of times at a monologue show. And it was it took me to a de- definitely a, a dark place. But it is it's a lot of fun flexing that muscle sometimes. Um, I actually prefer comedic acting. It's just I wish I had more time to dabble in drama. But the right role will come along at some point, I'm sure. When you kind of like mentioned the idea of um, some of kind of the roles or some of the monologues you've done uh, coming from a dark place, I know of like uh, when I was kind of reading a, a blog post about when you're talking about rated M and some like some of your earlier work, uh, you know, also coming from a dark place, is it easy for you to, I guess, listen to a song from there? And uh, or is it like if it's coming from a dark place, is it like hard to listen to? It's actually pretty difficult. I, to be very, very honest, I do not listen to my music after I put it out until it's time to rehearse for a show. I am not the person who has themselves on their playlist. I, I hate it. Um, I'm not that guy. Uh, so it, everything, everything kind of goes to the background. I think it's because you listen to it because I write, produce, mix, and master all my own music. So you listen to it so much, you get tired. You get tired of it really easily. So once it's out, it's out until it's time to pull something for um, a song for a show. But as far as super dark uh, themes when writing and when I perform, I try to avoid them. Like if, if I'm doing an hour show, there might be two songs in that in that lane. Everything else is going to be upbeat. I like to have a good time. And kind of uh, like really when it comes to like listening back to your music, have you... I guess ever been like a perfectionist or like on the writing process or just the overall music process when it comes to that? Um, I'm actually a perfectionist. I would not be, I would not be where I am if I had my own way. Uh, (laughs) And I say that because my first album rated M would have never came out. Had my older cousin Hakeem, who actually 
has photographed all my album covers except for one. Um, and had he not forced me to put them out, he's like, you've been working really hard on it. You need to put it out. He was like, Beyonce was not built overnight, so put it out. But I'm also, I'm terrible with deadlines too. Um, that's one of the reasons. The album I re recently released, A New Day, came out in August. It was supposed to come out New Year's Day last year. So it's one of those things. I am a perfectionist and I'm always tinkering and fiddling with stuff. Uh, so I, I am that guy. <laughs> I'm that guy for sure. And like when your kind of network's helping you out with, uh, I guess like not being uh, too perfect with each song. So are, are they also like pushing you when it comes to deadlines or have you been able to prove on like time management with the, with these songs? <laughs> um, most of my most of my circle of friends, they're all artists in their own ways um, and business owners. So the business owner side of them is usually like, hey, let's let's create a deadline and let's try to stick to it. The artist in them understands that, you know, you have to really get it right. And you have to feel comfortable releasing it. Um, it's gotten better. I'll give you that. <laughs> I'm getting better with deadlines. Um, I'm not all the way there. I think going into this next phase of my career with the new stuff I'm working on, I have to be okay with deadlines just because my schedule is just so, so crazy. But, and I think also I'm at a point now where I feel like I'm confident enough in what I have going on to really set aside a certain amount of time and get it done as opposed to overly tinkering <laughs> with things. No, that's uh, I mean, that's, I guess like kind of different and like having the network, uh, where, you know, they're still creative minded. It can understand your perspective. Uh, but also, you know, having the entrepreneurs that kind of like, uh, can help you set deadlines, uh, you know, is really cool. I, I know with like, uh, I mean, especially kind of dealing with it when it comes to deadlines, I know you deal with like a lot of, I guess, like corporate sponsorships. I know, uh, like when I saw, on the Voyage Dallas article, have you worked with like uh, like Dr Pepper on an acting or a music level? Uh, yes, I have. My the first commercial I did as an adult was a Dr Pepper commercial. We shot it at Fair Park in the middle of the summer, and it, I had so much fun. I met so many amazing people. I got a lot of camera time, which was really important <laughs> at that point in time. Um, so I've definitely Dr Pepper was really fun to work with. I will say. Now that the statute of limitations has expired on that, um, I am not a Dr. Pepper drinker at all. I don't drink much soda, actually. But if I were to drink a dark soda, it would be Coke. So, mm. but you have to think, you're, you live here in the DFW area. It gets very, very hot in the summer. We were outside for nine and a half hours, and each take, people were drinking actual Dr. Pepper. And I was trying my best to sip nothing but air because that is super unhealthy. <laughs> mm hmm. Nobody passed out from what I recall, but a few people got lightheaded because dark soda in Texas heat for nine and a half hours a day is not a good combination. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, humidity and Dr. Pepper is, uh, I, I mean, I kind of, yeah, dark sodas in general <laughs> in that area is crazy. When you kind of mentioned like, uh, statute of limitations, what's, uh, what's the normal years for that? Um, you know what the well, I guess it's more so. What is it? Uh, the it's something with usage. I don't know the proper terminology, so forgive me. Uh, NDA. Yeah, so it's one of those things. It kind of depends. Most of the time, they last, from what I've noticed, at least like six months to a year. Um, oh. anything after that, they typically have to pay you more for, unless the contract is really bad. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So what if uh, Pepsi approached you and says, we heard what you said about Dr. Pepper. Do you want to 
do a commercial for our dark soda? I am totally down. I actually have a couple of dream campaigns I would love to do. Um, Pepsi's one of them. You know, Pepsi does the Super Bowl halftime show usually, and they always do the really big dramatic commercials. I remember the one with Beyonce, Britney Spears, and Pink. With uh, and uh, I think believe, and believe Enrique and Glace Castles in that one where they like the Coliseum. So Pepsi does big Super Bowl commercials. So I'm definitely down for a Pepsi commercial. <laughs> Would you have uh, gone in the uh, the the Kylie Jenner commercial? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. It is my duty to be. I have a lot of fun, um, but I, I try my best to be socially aware. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and like uh, when you said uh, dream commercials, like so, uh, what other campaigns or companies would be on the top of your list after Pepsi? Oh, uh, oh, quite a few. I would love to do um, like be the face of a luxury car company, like a Maserati or a Rolls Royce. I think that would be really, really cool. Um, I would also love to be like the face of PlayStation. Uh, that would be really, really fun. Only because I've been playing PlayStation since I was a little kid. So to be in one of their commercials would be a lot of fun. Um, hmm. And maybe I've had this uh, reoccurring dream of being in a Southwest Airlines or American Airlines campaign since they're kind of the hometown airline. So hopefully that happens one day as well. <laughs> no, for sure. Like I know it's kind of um, when, when you kind of like mentioned earlier with uh kind of some of the different uh, kind of music roles and uh, kind of like the idea of liking to, you know, wanting to have a good time time with your music and, you know, not have too many songs, uh, you know, that are too dark. I, I was wondering, like, uh, you know, has there been any recent venue performances or, uh, you know, how is that like during uh, kind of the COVID-19 pandemic? Um, I had a friend of mine through a, she threw an artist showcase last year, like maybe August, 2020. And it was COVID friendly, but that was the last time I performed in person. Before that, I put together a couple of my own shows at the Ridgely Lounge in Fort Worth. Um, that was pre-COVID in 2019. Everything I've done other than that has been virtual. Um, I'm actually looking to book some venues for 2022. Um, I'm actually planning a music festival. So that should be really, really fun. It'll be my grand return to in-person performance, um, as well as just a step up on the production side. I usually do more stripped back shows where it's just kind of like me and like a piano or guitar and like a lounge setting. But I'm a musical theater kid. That's where I got my start. So I think it's time to bring out the dancers and the band and all of that. Definitely. And like, would there be any, uh, you know, other kinds of venues that you'd be really interested in like performing. Cause it, like, I think on your Instagram, did I see like house of blues or something like that? Yes. When I first started, uh, the house of Bu- house of blues used to have a open mic night in the restaurant section every Wednesday. Um, they stopped doing it quite a while ago, even before COVID, but it was really, really cool to perform there. That's a venue I would love to perform at. Um, I'm looking at a couple of venues closer to me in Arlington right now that are a lot bigger than what I'm used to, but uh, I'm up for the challenge. Uh, as far as the dream venues of uh, places I want to perform, you know, the O2 in London, uh, AT&T Stadium here, that kind of thing, you know, once I get to that level, hopefully. Definitely. And is there any, uh, I guess, like trying to get up into that level? Is there any, uh, you know, upcoming songs that you're currently promoting? Um, My expectations from my most recent project, A New Day, has been doing really, really well. And there is a part two to that song that will be coming out um, alongside a new-ish project in early 2022. (laughs) So far with uh, expectations, what's been like the, uh, I guess, most praised uh, track on it? 
Um, so the most praised track on a new day has been Expectations and then a song called Reminisce and a song I wrote for my late grandmother called Encore. Those have been the big ones. But then a couple of other songs that I didn't think people would like, people really like, like uh, Talk A Good Game. So it's a couple of them in rotation that people really like. The songs I usually like are not always the same songs that the fans love and show the most love to. I've noticed that with all of my projects. Um, so I'm always pleasantly surprised. <laughs> and like, have you noticed anything about, I guess, like people's tastes? Like when you kind of mentioned like some of the songs that you weren't a big fan of that they like, has there been like an overall theme amongst the songs? Absolutely. Uh, people like it when I'm vulnerable, um, which as an Aries, that's just hard to do. Like why would I show emotion? But, um, they love when I'm vulnerable and typically when I slip into my falsetto or just sing higher in general, those songs typically get a lot more traction. And then the songs also where I am leaning more into the funk heavy side of things like uh, Talk A Good Game is more so closer to funk. Uh, no Hard Feelings is more so closer to funk. So people like those sounds as well. Like if it's funky, they like it. Or if it's super emotional and super high, they like it. And like with kind of audiences liking that idea of showing more emotion, would that be something that influences you for, you know, part two or any anything in the future for 2022? I wish I could say yes, but the answer is no. <laughs> I, I think for me personally, I think the best part about being an independent artist and kind of being the uh, conductor of my own journey has been the fact that I can really explore myself artistically. And Every song I write is always personal. So when I go into the studio, I'm not the I'm not the person who has everybody in the studio and I'm getting a whole bunch of ears on it. I am very much, if you don't have to be here, you don't need to be here. It's me and this is therapy. This is my diary. This is my journal. So I tend to lean more towards that when I'm working on music. I'm in the process right now of writing for other people. So I have to be a little bit more open and collaborative, which has been a new journey and experience in itself. But for the most part, I am very much, I'm going to do what I want and we'll make it work. <laughs> like on the idea of writing for other people. So is that, uh, is it ghostwriting? Or are you not able to like say who you write for? Oh, no, it's yeah. totally fine. Uh, a friend of mine, um, her name is Jasmine. She wanted to do a birthday song last year for her, uh, for her birthday. And she came to me within like a week's notice and we wrote and produced a song together. Um, that's out. It's called Bout It Birthday Freestyle. And that's a rap song. So that was really fun. Um, I have a couple of tracks right now that I'm kind of shopping around to see who likes them and who who would it work for. But I, I love writing. Um, sometimes I'll write with other artists in mind like that are friends of mine. And sometimes I'm like, hmm, I have to be a little bit more general about this and we can kind of flip it once somebody actually bites on it. So has there been because uh, when we originally talked like on the idea of uh some of your first with 20 like your first songs being like cover songs and like the idea of you having a twist on maybe like an older song on like with your style has anyone had like a you know a bizarre twist or something that you didn't notice like with the songs that you write uh yes actually yes they um most recently i wrote a song called um Actually, um, it's called Bodies in Motion. And I wrote it for a friend of mine. And some of the things he took with the chorus and he changed, I thought were really, really cool and really unique. So it it often happens. My mind will be here on a topic and then their mind will be somewhere else. But the best part about writing for somebody else is we can meet in the middle. So that part of the collaboration, I'm really open to and I love it. I think songwriting is probably, out of all the artsy things I do, is probably, I feel like, my strongest, um, my strongest point for sure. 
were you like really into, I guess, like creative writing before you even got into like songwriting? Absolutely. I, I was I used to win contests in class and stuff for writing creative stories and short stories and things like that. I love, 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 love to write. It's my favorite thing because um, I love to read. So that's why I think that's why I'm so strong as a songwriter right now. There's always room to grow, but I love I love that whole aspect of it and figuring out how to really tell a story with music. That's my favorite thing. And kind of like what's been like the biggest song with uh, your with your songwriting that's uh, I, I guess like got the best crowd reception or like, you know, has done like best like as far as like views and everything. Uh, Encore off my most recent project has done really, really well in terms of just the reception for the songwriting. Cause like I wrote it for my grandmother who recently passed away. And then uh, just all the people who were lost to COVID and all the crazy things going on in the last couple of years. Um, so that one got a lot of good reception. And then the songs where I am very, very petty <laughs> get a lot of good reception writing wise as well. Like no hard feelings. There's a line at the end of the song where I talk about how, even though, where X is, the family still likes me and they invite me to all the family functions and things like that. So people like that type of writing too. Yeah, and honestly, like uh, to kind of like close out the episode, I really wanted to just ask, um, you know, is there anything that we, we kind of talked about some of your future projects, but honestly, is there any maybe advice or tips that you have for upcoming musicians that, um, you know, are kind of looking to make their first track? Because I know like in a blog post, you mentioned that, you know, there was like no modules or training courses for what, what you were trying to do. So was there any like key lessons that you're kind of like, you know, I don't want uh, another artist to have to like face this? Oh, absolutely. I would definitely say don't be afraid to fail. Um, nobody starts off at the top. And the way the way the industry works now is very different than the way it used to years ago. Um, you know, there once was a time where you could get signed at 15, 16, and you literally learned the whole industry and practiced for five or six years. And then you came out with a hit single. The world is no longer like that. People want to see the journey. They want to see you grow. They want to see the crappy audio and the so-so performances, and they want to grow with you. So don't be afraid to fail and don't be afraid to show that part of the journey. Um, and also just persevere. It is... Very, very hard to get into the industry and stick with it. Um, I still work a day job, if that tells anybody anything. And I've been doing this professionally for six years. So um, it's not the the tickets and money that people think it is. It's really a love of the art form, for sure. So remember that <laughs> as you go into it. And um, don't be afraid to learn the history of your craft and learn more and invest in yourself in equipment, voice lessons, dancing lessons, whatever that may be for you as an artist, don't be afraid to invest in yourself. No, definitely. I can, uh, I can definitely agree with the idea of loving the process and learning the history about that craft. I think those are really good tips for anyone interested on making their first song and yeah, just enjoying like the art craft. Um, so Thank you again, Malik, for not just taking out the time to explain your acting and music and other creative projects, but also kind of shedding light to anyone interested on, you know, getting into not just music, but, you know, acting and just arts in general. Um, no, I thought it was a very fun conversation. Uh, no problem. Thank you so much for having me. 
We really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Platinum Mask Podcast. Stay connected with us directly through the PlatinumMask.com. You can also join the discussion on Instagram at GrayMask12. If you would like to speak with us, please send us an email through maskgrayson at gmail.com. And as always, thank you for pushing your mindset towards a better reality. This concludes the most thought-provoking portion of your day. Don't forget to like and subscribe to stay fully up to date. Until next time, raise a glass to success, no matter how you define it.